0: This is episode 78 of the Inspired Energy Podcast with Murray Guest and in this episode I'm chatting with Alexandra Edwards. Alexandra is a high performance and well-being expert, coach and trainer. She is passionate about helping leaders understand their own genetic limits so they can achieve their maximum potential and reach exceptional levels of physical and mental performance. This enlightening chat is packed with deep knowledge on the importance of understanding yourself deeply from a genetic, biochemical, and emotional perspective. Our deep dive into genomic wellness goes into how that enables you to be the leader of you and how combining with intrinsic motivation can lead to boundless self renewing energy, clarity, and the ability to stretch time. We explore alexandra's work and the type of clients she works with from high performance leaders trying to achieve absolute best in their work field and also all areas of their life i absolutely love this chat and i loved the unique perspective that she brings to her work and i got so much out of this conversation i hope you do too and if you do of course as always please share it online particularly for this one on linkedin making sure you tag alexandra and myself and I hope you love this conversation. Alexandra, thank you for your time today and uh, welcome to the podcast. So looking forward to talking to you about the unique perspective that you bring to high performance. Um, how's your week been? Uh, this
1: week has actually been Fantastic. Uh, As you know, I live in Melbourne and uh, about a week ago we had this fantastic announcement that we got the out of jail free card. Uh, So it's been a busy week, but just having this renewed freedom has really brought about incredible sense of energy, momentum and appetite for really going out and experiencing life again
0: yeah I've seen uh some footage on the news and um I've heard about on the radio about some of the um i guess embracing back some of that freedom which people have have been needing um what's it been like living in Melbourne these last sort of three months
1: yeah so it was a really interesting question and I, I wish I could sort of summarise it for, you know, all the other million of Melbournians. So I, I will just stick to what the experience has been for me and my family and some of my clients. Um, to begin with, it was a little bit of a, of a roller coaster. You know, the initial phases were really intense and obviously very much driven by, you know, a lot of fear of the unknown, what's going to happen, you know, personal safety, Um, I have very close friends of mine who actually lost relatives. Um, So there was this very much sort of this unknown quantity and it really felt like, okay, this is the right thing. Let's all go in and let's all rally. As we then re-experienced a little bit of freedom and then went straight back into a much harsher uh, lockdown, the experience that I had with my family was that the fear was no longer there. And so we'd already had the experience of... um, being in lockdown with our kids, mm. uh, learning new routines. My husband runs his business as well. So uh, negotiating who gets the office for the day, who's on call for the children, donning the teacher's hat, um, no longer having access to what we take for granted of just being able to go out. So just the mental restriction of just having one hour, yep. or one hour a day, even though some days like we wouldn't leave the house, you know, you'd know, you have back-to-back meetings and calls. So, But just having that, Potential for freedom mentally was quite a challenge initially and then you know as the days went by and we were in lockdown for basically four months What I found which really surprised me was that especially towards the end, you know the last month certain revelations came through mm. For me and, and my husband that actually made us realize, you know, once we finally came out that there was a lot of good stuff that came out And, and, and I think it's really relevant for the conversations I have with my clients around really managing time in terms of aligning that to our purpose and what's important in life. And, you know, I I wish I could say, you know, I'm perfect at that. I'm, I'm sort of the the queen of high performance and my life is perfect. And I always manage time with family and friends and having that balance. But the reality is that that's not true. And uh, certainly I have more tools and awareness perhaps that many of my clients have, but it, it you get sucked into that vortex. And mm. it, if someone had actually said, you know, you know, stop, you actually have to stop and take stock of what's important. And it really struck me at some point that I literally looked around and there was a sense of, yeah, but I can't do my friends and I can't do this. And then just realize, yeah, but everyone and anything that's actually really important to me in my life, are within these four walls right now. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're here, they're safe. I've had an incredible evolution of relationship with especially my teenage daughter that I, you know, I couldn't put a price on that. And obviously, you know, as I mentioned to you earlier, I feel incredibly privileged that, uh, you know, I don't work in an industry that was mm. really, really like destroyed. Yeah. so So it's easier to kind of, look at the higher, you know, higher self, evolution of self kind of things. So yeah. Yeah. The survival aspect, you know, in terms of Maslow's hierarchy, like we've got, we've got the food, yeah. there's money in the bank and we've got, you know, safety, health, safety. So I, I, I can't say it's been the same for, you know, for everyone, but that that was an incredible realization. And I am so grateful to have been able to have this, be, be part of this huge psychological human experience
0: yeah uh, can i say i echo a lot of what you're saying around that renewed perspective Mm. Uh, my my children and i feel like we got deeper connections through covid we went into lockdown nowhere near the length of time in in melbourne but we had that early on Um, Mm. and just doing things that we would not normally have done some of those connections i also remember uh, watching my children work out in the backyard together They'd normally go to the gym, but just working out and encouraging each other, and that wouldn't have happened. Um, My wife taught me to play backgammon, and we played every afternoon for like two months. I'm still not as good as her, but it was just, you know, those. I think the thing I think about and what you're saying, I think we're aligned here is that renewed perspective around what's important and where do we invest our time to actually focus on those things that are most important.
1: That's right. Um, Yeah, Yeah. and I think I think as well as the the perspective sort of uh, in terms of, you know, having a different way of looking at things, but also an increased level of awareness of really, truly and honestly, taking a hard look at ourselves and go actually, you know, what, you know, I was really trapped in a little bit of a hamster wheel. And I'm not sure that all of the choices that I made or the behaviours that I did or the engagements I chose to say yes to, really served me at a very deep core, you know, high purpose level, yeah. uh, which is, you know, if you like, is really, really the tenet of the philosophy that underpins the work that I do uh, with my clients.
0: Yeah. Um, so just before we talk about that amazing work that you do, I'm going to just check in. What is one thing out of this sort of process over the last four months that you are committing to doing in the future and keep doing?
1: At a very quick level, I would say learning to have more space between committing. So oh. committing myself, committing my time, yeah. committing my mental IP and uh my service, and having more time, creating more space in that moment of decision. Mm. So so that's if, if you like, that's a practical, you know, takeaway, yeah. practical tip. What sits behind this is actually a bigger commitment to aligning my why with my what.
0: Yeah. I, I love both of those. And I think as you're talking through those, I'm thinking about what that means for me and how I'm doing that. I'm, I'm thinking about the power of the pause in some of those commitments and decisions. But, again, knowing our why and really linking the what we do back to that as an ongoing <laughs> commitment, I, yeah, I would high-five you if we could touch. You know, like I agree totally. (laughs) Now, about this great work you do, and I know it's about how science and nutrition affects our DNA and our optimal well-being and you help high performance, but help me explain what you do even better than that to people that are listening.
1: Yeah. I I think that's a a, a great summary to get started. Perhaps I will just... You know rewind a little bit to to give a little bit of the the premise of you know what genetics are in the context of
0: mm.
1: high performance um i think that we tend to think of genetics still today as what's wrong with me what's wrong with my heritage yeah there is there is something inside that might mean that at some point i may develop you know some some kind of really bad disease
0: yeah yeah gotcha. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there have been celebrities that have, you know, famously brought to the surface in the media specific genetic mutations that have that brought on different kinds of cancer. So I think we tend to think of genetics as the the scary aspect Mm. that lies beneath. And whilst we are incredibly curious, because as a species, we are very curious about introspection and the journey within and learning more and more about who we really are, so I really get that. The, the dark side of it, I think, is for most people is like, oh, I want, I want, you know, it's like that horror film. I just, I want to see it, but I don't really want to know. So, I don't do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, great, great reset there. What you do? Yeah. There
1: we go. So I don't do that. So I look at what's called genomic wellness. So. If you think that we have about 25,000 genes, I mean, that, that's a lot. That is really, truly a lot. And some of these genes interact with each other. And this is really still an emerging science, okay? So uh, within the next five years, there will be an explosion of research that will look at the full 25,000 genes, not only really that, but also how several hundred or thousands of them interact with each other. Okay. Gotcha. Right now, we're still at a stage where we're looking at, you know, maybe thirty to forty genes that are really relevant in terms of um, personal performance and well-being, and we look at the interaction of maximum of three. Wow! So that's to give you the scope of where this is really an emerging science. Yeah. Um, so I look at these at these genes, and in consultation with my clients or leadership teams, we first of all work out, you know, what is it that you're trying to access. What is it? What is that special thing mm. that you feel that perhaps you have or you're good at right now, but you want to be really better at? You want to really increase this level of self-mastery over. With the genetics then, we can actually look at what these character traits are. Okay? So just to give you an example, uh, someone says, I know you're all about energy, okay? and it's different guises. So someone is interested in having more energy okay, so tell me what kind of energy would you like to have? Is it more physical energy, more stamina, or is it more mental staying power, or energy in the sense of uh, increasing your ability to learn? So really ramping up your cognitive ability. Is it energy in the sense of being mentally strong? So we can look at all these different facets. And then what's really interesting is that the genes that, give us this blueprint that becomes us i'm kind of static in the sense that you know at birth you're given a toolkit okay so you get what you get and you don't get upset and that's your toolkit but then within that obviously how we look after the toolkit is going to have an impact how we use the toolkit you know is the toolkit all greased up and left outside to rust you know is it kind of constantly breaking down hard rocks all of those kinds of things well impact. yeah and
0: i think back to the genes you're mentioning about that we understand now and we understand in the future about we've got a toolkit that's quite big but we're only playing with a couple of the tools at the top
1: absolutely that we can actually intervene yeah on, right uh so so that's what basically the genomic wellness does it, it tells you this is this is your toolkit mm-hmm. and Let's also, in some of the bigger conversations, you know, especially with sort of more experienced senior executives are, okay, I understand that you really come to me about energy, okay, you want to have more energy, and maybe you're not sleeping well, so this is impacting your energy, or maybe you have the kind of brain that just doesn't stop thinking, Yeah, and this is impacting your ability to create that pause, okay, which then allows you to access a more grounded state so that you make the right decisions in the moment rather than a a brain fog of, you know, overwhelm. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Can I ask just on that, do you think people generally know where they want to improve or is there even a conversation about helping them understand that in the first place?
1: Absolutely. So that's what sits behind. So, and it's, it's very individualized. Some Mm. people are, Have already developed a great level of depth in terms of their awareness and so they're very much aware of the why that sits behind what what is the purpose and so they're very clear and concise in terms of saying the reason i want more energy is because i actually want to create this amazing thing okay yeah so it's not the energy per se but some people are very much like you know i'm exhausted and uh, my, I know that in my teams, there's heaps of energy gaps. We've come out of COVID over the last five months. And I need people to like, let's go. Let's go, people. Uh, revenue has been impacted. I, I need people to have their energy needle move to, you know, from 10% to 80%. Mm. So, they're very different conversations but ultimately the the genetic interpretation is the same you know there are a number of foundational pillars that are going to be affecting how well polished and how sharp your tools are yeah so yeah i've
0: just that can i just say um as you're talking through that i'm thinking about the clients i work with and different leaders and how they try to get the most out of their teams and again uh, and tell me if this is where you 're at it 's like the whole understanding of the DNA of people at an individual level is adding to the conversation about building onto other leadership approaches and investing in people 's development to help them get there um, at a at a way at a real individual level
1: absolutely yes spot on you 've described it really really well, and that 's the work I do and often I work. Um, as part of a, of a team with other leadership coaches
0: mm. so
1: that then, um, you know, we do genetic testing for the team and we work out where the energy gaps are, where the, uh, you know, mental stamina gaps are, and also we look at character traits. I know you do a lot of work around strengths. So if you like, it would be the genetic aspect that underlies the different strengths. And uh, so just this week, you know, I've been working with the leadership team in Sydney, And, um, you know, what we found out by doing the genetic testing is that some people genetically wise have all the markers for perfectionism. And what's happening is that they're exhausted right now. Their business has pivoted a gazillion times over the last six months to really try and fit into, you know, new niches, right? They're they're really moving the needle to to really fill the, the gap and get back on top. And so what we're finding is that, you know, a couple of people in the teams with these high perfectionist traits are also very tired and Mm. they're having to change how they do work on a regular basis, but the high level of perfectionism at genetic level is really holding them back. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. And, um, and I can see, you know, you know, 2020 with COVID is probably highlighting this even more as you're saying that perfectionism or, you know, that, that need to change rapidly and how we are pivoting so much.
1: So much. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually really, uh, I I'd say, you know, for, for your listeners, like even without doing genetic testing, this is something that you can observe for yourself Mm. because high pressure, high stress environments always amplify the gaps always. So you will have experienced over the last six months uh, an increase of the gap. And so if you were not aware of it prior to COVID, now you have a very clear indication of where, if you like, the, the polishing, the patching up, the rebuilding needs to come in. And it's really important to start on that work because Once those gaps get amplified and and really, let's face it, you know, we're kind of in and out of COVID. I mean, really, there's no vaccine. We know we don't have a date. You know, there's no no end date in sight at the moment. We're getting better at managing it, but we don't know for sure. So I think that a realistic expectation and a positive expectation is to think, okay, all right, we've entered this marathon under new conditions. It's it's a new landscape. I've got no idea how to tackle this. (laughs) so we need to as we go now to start patching up these gaps because we might be we might still be here in six months or 12 months and so if you leave these gaps what end what what will end up happening is that you're just going to have these leaks right so energy leaks resilience leaks motivational leaks and and then what are you left with
0: yeah and i think to be honest if i think about all that's going on in the world right now if we think about inequalities that have been getting raised we talk about climate change we talk about um, politics we talk about covid there's just a lot that's you know i'm hearing the heaviness that people feel right now and i think about the compassion leak that people are feeling and adding that to you know burnout um and i i love that the way you're describing this gets me thinking about, well, okay, how do I actually know myself more deeply at an individual level so I can invest in me? Cause as you said, I'm into strengths. We're all unique. We bring that uniqueness. Um, so I just also am mindful of a question that maybe some listeners are wondering I'm Noah of 23andMe, which talks about our DNA heritage. Mm-hmm. This is not what we're talking about. Is it though?
1: No, this is not ancestry DNA. Yes. And um, so currently in, Aust- in Australia, if you're doing genetic testing via 23andMe, um, the uh, TGA, so the Therapeutic Goods uh, Association of Australia, um, had you know, declared a few years ago that it would not allow for, if you like, the full medical interpretation, which partly is also highly controversial, even in the US. So we 23 meal or ancestry DNA now what you get is a report based on you know where's your heritage basically.
0: Gotcha yeah okay
1: yeah so this is different this yeah. is wellness testing that will look at, you know, a number of things. It will look at um, neurotransmitter production and breakdown. It will look at um, whether you are a fat burning machine or actually you would benefit at energy level and also in terms of waistline level from adopting a more, you know, a leaner, more plant-based kind of uh, diet. It looks at how our cells produce energy. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's very comprehensive, but it doesn't look at your ancestry at all. So that's a good thing to bring up, actually. Yeah, yeah, just to help
0: people understand that that difference. And um, you mentioned leaders. So what are the type of people you work with to help them understand this?
1: So I work mostly with uh, CEOs and particularly male CEOs. And that's not because it's a personal choice. I think, unfortunately, it um, reflects still the gender <laughs> disparity at c we So I I probably work with 70% male CEOs versus 30% female. And uh, um, also I work with leadership teams um, and management teams and also work with a number of business owners. So generally people who are really passionate about their work and and work is an important part of their life and their life's purpose. Mm -hmm. And they are prepared to make an investment. They, They understand that the body which and in the body include the mind really is their ally yeah to achieve their goals and and you know the goals can be if you like a smaller levels which are related really to you know increase revenue increase productivity those kinds of things right up to bigger goals what does my life mean what is my purpose here um i want to be a ceo and at the same time i want to you know impact my community, I want to impact my country, I want to impact the bigger conversation at global level. And I know that I need, you know, I need a few decades still yep. of me, my body working optimally in order to continue doing this great work.
0: Um can I ask why this for you? Like why do you do this work? Like how did you cause I um I have talked about your degrees early in the introduction, but tell me how did you sort of get to where you are now and you do this amazing work?
1: I, I think, and and tell me if I'm wrong here, but, but my experience of, you know, having lots of really great friends and colleagues in the coaching space, um, is that we tend to be attracted to the level of knowledge or, you know, IP that actually is going to serve us and our Mm. own challenges. Have you found, have you found that?
0: Yeah, I have. I think there's a bit of our own journey we're on when we're doing the type of work that we do. So yeah, I hear you on that. And um, I think there's something, maybe it's also DNA related as well, which connects with us at a cellular level that we really you know, love to do and we're here to do.
1: Yeah. Um, so for me, the journey I think started quite early on, probably surprisingly, I was brought up in a household uh, in, um, in Italy, though my mum was French that was so anti-well-being, like, I mean, it was sort of chain smoking, um, chain drinking, workaholics, uh, don't even mention yoga because it's for people who are actually mentally deranged. Kind <laughs> of so um, my my mom was, had an encyclopedic knowledge about actual pharmaceuticals, you know, medication. We had an incredible cabinet and she used to actually remember having arguments with our GP in terms of how much he should prescribe. (laughs) So, um, and what happened is that unfortunately my father passed away when I was 12. So he was diagnosed with a, um, you know, very quick advancing brain tumor. And what happened is that it came out of nowhere. So it seemingly seemed very strong. And then he was literally felled like a big old tree within the space of 10, 12 months. And then a year later, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, and then eventually she she died of lung cancer. So I became really interested in in this when I moved to England to go to university and I started to be exposed, as you do when you go to uni, to lots of different ideas of people that at the time, with my mindset, I thought were complete flakes and hippies. And I, I started <laughs> to, yeah, so, so literally a, a friend dragged me kicking and screaming to yoga because I had some, you know, back pain. And... Um, and I just remember coming out of that class going, actually, I don't think that this is all rubbish. I, you know, I feel a lot better. And, and so if you like this initial curiosity came mm. about and then I started to understand a little bit more about some of the behaviors that I witnessed in my house growing up and the incredible levels of anxiety that my mother used to experience and the self-medicating and starting to put dots together. Uh, after uni, I worked in a corporate setting and I was very much sort of the highly driven Taipei uh, executive. So, first one to get to the office, last one to leave. I still have memories of a couple of nights sleeping in the office, can I say way before Elon Musk did it. <laughs>
0: And before there was it, we didn't have a sleep pod, you know, you were on no the floor. Yeah.
1: No. This was like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: So when, when you talk to these CEOs, it's like, I've been there. I know what it's like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah i have yeah. i have been there. And please let me slap you because that's not the way to stay and yeah. be. Uh, I had, you know, classic story, you know, massive burnout and um, you know, uh, the doctors could see it coming, but I just kept going, it, you know, it, it even back then, you know, I'm 47, so this is quite a while ago, but even back then, I told myself the same stories that I hear CEOs today in Australia say to me, such as, we just have to get through this merger, or I just have to get the team over this hump, or, you know, I just have to get to December, or I just have to get past COVID. Or- and
0: there's always a just get to, isn't it? Like it just continues and continues, oh, yeah. It
1: continues, it continues, and, and you know, we feel justified utilizing those excuses because mm. they allow us to they give us permission basically to not go and look in the dirty cupboard you know the the, the hidden cupboard yeah, yeah, and yeah. All, the, all the stuff that needs to be dealt with so that was it and basically with the burnout i could not you know i went to see gazelle specialists allied practitioners blah 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 and you know i just did not get the results that i wanted and so that 's where the interest in genetics did so I, I retrained um, you know in health science, uh, specializing in clinical nutrition, and then that 's when the genetics then came in and that 's what really helped me understand why specifically I had burnt out mm. sure it was a matter of not sleeping enough and you know play hard work hard kind of scenario, but why specifically. Did burnout manifest in that way for me? What was it?
0: Do you remember the the moment? Like, did you have a like a light bulb moment where you're like, like, oh my God, I now get this?
1: It wasn't it wasn't like that, it was gradual because you know, genetics are complex and, and you have to have a really good understanding also biochemistry behind it. Because genes just give these instructions, which then are decoded and then are re-encoded into biochemical pathways. Uh, so so it wasn't, it was more of a gradual effect, but what I do remember was really the increased awareness of this sense of efficacy mm. and self-agency. And for me, this is a really important part of the piece when we're talking about well-being for personal performance. Um, this is not about just give me a list of supplements or give me the latest diet, or let's look at the latest blog by Tim Ferriss about the 10, you know, habits of the 10 most successful, productive leaders. This is not it. It's really about, you know, understanding self very, very well from that genetic and then emotional perspective and biochemical perspective, and then understanding that you can be the leader of you.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, uh combining that, tell me if I'm right here with some intrinsic motivation, some deep motivation through the data and understanding to then have that motivation around investing in self.
1: I love this question and I don't know where we're gonna go with my <laughs> answer. Okay. I love, love, love this question. The reason I love it is that yes. And that's our, you know, really sort of uh, usual understanding of we need motivation for action and implementing behaviours. What happens then, though, when at genetic level, one has very, very low levels of motivation-producing neurotransmitters? What do we do then? Does it mean that only the ones that have, you know, high dopamine for motivation can then progress on to... Yeah accessing personal power so this is when then this understanding of if you like how do i hack the system yeah what what do i need to do to then crank up my motivation and then how do i then maintain that level of consistency because we know that even people are highly driven you know the motivation you know just like incentives only works for a certain period of time So my interest then is around the psychology of behavior. So um, one of my mentors is Professor B.J. Fogg at Stanford, who's created the Behavior Lab at Stanford. So I continue, I have been training with him, continue to train with him to really understand then, okay, so we do the genetics and we increase a person's motivation. How do we then design the best personalized strategy to implement these behaviors over time so that they become automatic?
0: Yeah, okay. I, I've got you there. I, I can understand what you're saying. So I think it's way, yeah. I'm I'm thinking out loud here, Alexandra, <laughs> about the the deeper cellular motivation as opposed to some surface level motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can feel that one. That's cool.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and and if I may go one step further in terms yeah. of showing, if you like, from my perspective, what the whole journey is. So, I mean, that sounds good enough. And that, that's good enough for me to sell my programs, okay? That's, that's like, yep, give me that. I want to learn how I increase my motivation and how I make my behavior stick. Even when I'm traveling and working 80 hours a week, how do I stick to those well-being habits? So that's good. And then when we get to that, it's like, yes, 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 but. That then the next level is about becoming truly and utterly comfortable with the idea that you're actually truly only doing these behaviors because they are perfectly aligned to your why. So mm-hmm. you no longer, you're not going to the gym just because you want to lose, you know, the, the inches on your waist. Yeah. You're not, you're not just going to bed because you need energy for the meeting in the morning. You are truly doing those behaviors and living in a certain way because at a deeper level, your why is about complete self-love complete self-acceptance and living in a state where you have the highest possible imagined type of energy because you are in this constant self-serving self-pleasuring mode which is very controversial in this day and age um, i understand but that is where people really move on to you're moving on to a completely different level of mastery and that is where you really access sort of the highest level of personal power when you're in that stage stuff really starts to happen to you you become completely magnetic
0: yeah and i loved on your website i've been looking and having an understanding of some of the programs that you provide and this level beyond energized of being unstoppable Um, tell me what unstoppable looks like and what does it feel like
1: Unstoppable is about getting to this level that I've just described. So mm. it doesn't. So it, I think that many people think in terms of, oh, that's fantastic. So unstoppable is as if I want to feel as if I'd have fifteen coffees and I've got that kind of energy. Now, unstoppable is more about you know you get to really highly energized, and unstoppable is when you're able to really take that pause with the gazillion things coming at you. And it's a feeling of time stretching. You oh. become really the master of time. So yeah. uh, because you have achieved such high level of mental and physical mastery that you can actually self-regulate your biochemistry. So you can, and we do testing on this. So we've seen it with people heart rate variability, which is a marker of how um, the two aspects of the nervous system work going, you know, really expanding. Yeah, so doing specific techniques. So I, I like to think of it as like the samurai state. I just, I have, I've never been to Japan, but I have a real fascination with Japanese culture. So for me, unstoppable is feeling completely in, in your power, standing in your power for the right reasons with your whole body and mind being right behind you, like the highest performing team and you being able to, you know, like the matrix. Yeah, yeah. bullets. That, that is unstoppable, obviously without bullets, but with <laughs> and being able to just reset. And as you turn around and deal with the next challenge or obstacle or difficult um, team member, that you turn around and your whole body turns, your body, your mind, your values come with you. Yeah. So that the decision that you're making, the communication that you're giving is coming from this place. And when you get there, it's a little bit like being in flow The energy is self-renewing. So you're not coming home exhausted at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking about alignment uh, with self-alignment with your values. I'm thinking about resilience to be able to handle and rise above the ups and downs. Those types of things that people would be feeling through this unstoppable state.
1: Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And as you are in that state, you know, as you said, what happens is that you almost have double vision. So you start seeing things for the way they really are rather than the way they appear. So for example, I know, I mean, many of my clients have become completely addicted to the news. And they may be aware, but perhaps not truly, truly aware of how you know, that cycle of catastrophizing negative news is actually affecting how they then affect the business.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah.
1: When you're in that unstoppable mode, and you're aligned, as you said, with all your strengths, your values, and then you've got the body and the mind, then what happens is that you can actually watch the news, but you can also see, oh, okay, I see this is actually, this is another cycle of, Uh, Really traumatic news and images and this is actually going to speak to my brain and then my brain because genetically I have high levels of rumination because my prefrontal cortex is super active because I've got My dopamine receptors genetically are off the charts. I produce heaps of dopamine and I don't break it down Then I can see how that is going to start coloring my thoughts Hmm, Isn't that interesting? Okay. So you're able to then distance yourself, have this pause, which is not just in time, but also from a space perspective. And that is just, I mean, can you imagine if like living like that the whole time, um, incredible, incredible power.
0: Yeah. I, can I just say, just hearing you describe it, I'm feeling more energized. So to actually (laughs) have that awareness. uh, Yeah. voice. So I, I, I can imagine then that self-awareness, that self-understanding and that um, ability to have that greater, um, cho- I guess, awareness and, and a choice then to shift.
1: Choice. Yeah. It nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's about choice because we think we have choice right now, but we don't. We really don't have choice Yeah and regardless of what job title you have, you know, we think we do, but we don't. From the moment that you, whilst you're still within this the system and your body is um, at the mercy, like a puppet of environmental challenges and stresses, and while you're still stuck in your script that you don't have time because you're too busy and that you will have time once you have got to whatever imaginary, I call it the oasis in the desert, because it always shifts. Yeah, as yeah. you said, it keeps coming. Then you just can't make. You know, it's not freedom of choice. You're like plugged into the matrix. The moment you step outside, you can see yourself. It goes, oh, there we go. Here, here goes will. Right, having his routine and he's up at five a.m. and he's already on the emails at five thirty. I can see. So then you can make deliberate choice, and then you can say, well, actually, I choose to answer those emails for whatever reason because it's aligned with what I believe to be true and helpful.
0: Yeah. Well, wow. sounds uh, again. Uh, thinking about some of those other ways I was describing before, I want to add now empowering, empowering about. The, the way I'm living my life to help me achieve that high performance.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, I'm wondering uh, if we've got listeners right now listening and they're uh, intrigued as to, to tap into your knowledge and experience without getting the genetic testing, of course, which they can do and go through you as through one of your programs. But, what sort of tips do you like to give to people to help them be at their best to actually invest in their well being? Yes
1: first it all starts with an inventory so you need to do an inventory as if like um you know you were commenting before about the books and you know doing this kind of thing and uh, i you know i love Marie Kondo and sort of the, the whole idea of clearing and tidying and all of that so you know when you watch Marie Kondo for, for those listeners who don't you know perhaps especially if you have mostly male listeners you know uh so mary Kondo's is Japanese sort of uh um you know tidy that she's the thought leader of tidiness and does it it bring you joy
0: if it brings you joy keep it if it doesn't bring you joy anymore let it go
1: yeah absolutely so so i always i i loved starting with this idea of an inventory yeah so literally as if you were opening a closet and you look at it and it's like there's all this stuff you don't know where to start just start writing down everything that comes into your head or surfaces at emotional level that um when you ask yourself the question you know where am i right now who am i and what do i you know what am i feeling just write it all down don't question it write it down and then once you have this list and for some people this can go on like five six pages Mm. then take you know take a pen or take a highlighter and just just go through it and look at it and work out exactly what you said. Does this bring me joy or not? Okay. So, say for example, I have a teenage daughter, yeah, and she is much as I like my books ordered like this. Her, she has a floor robe, right? Yep, so, gotcha. Yeah, you know, you've got you've got kids similar age, so it's I don't know if yours is the same, but mine is there's you can tell, it's like the Hansel and Gretel story. You can tell where she's been because instead of breadcrumbs, there's items of clothing. You know,
0: you know it's really hard to hang up towels in the bathroom as well.
1: <laughs> no, right? It's so hard. Hey, in COVID we've all lost muscle mass, so let's not go there. <laughs> That's heavy. Um, so so that is a thing that for example, I would write down. It's like it absolutely it just drives me nuts. Yeah. And And I write it down. And then what I would do is I would look at it and say, okay, when I then, when I pick up the towels or I have the argument with her, does that bring me joy? No, it doesn't bring me joy. So does it bring me pain? Yes, it brings me pain. Okay. Well, does seeing the towels on the floor bring me pain? Well, yes, it does. Which is the greater pain? Yeah. Is it picking up a battle and having an argument with her and then doing all of that? Or is it like, you know, having a bin bag and just shoving things in or just pushing things aside, which, which is the easiest? So you might want to ask yourself those questions and then pick the ones that you feel give you a little bit of a sense of yuckiness inside. Yeah. You read and you go, Oh, your heart It's like you don't want to go there. So that is, that's where you want to start. And you might want to ask the question in terms of where am I? We're speaking about energy today. Where where am I in terms Mm. of energy? And write down, do the inventory of all the things that give you energy and deplete your energy. And then start looking at, is there a pattern here? And what's sitting behind it? So in terms of sort of the epigenetics, so the things that you can do that then influence your genes, you could go through each one of those and say, well, I can see a little bit of a pattern here. that. I'm tired, you know. Uh, every Monday morning, I'm tired, and you know. But every Sunday night, I'm having, you know, I'm having a whole bottle of wine. Okay, so start looking at, you know, what came before and see the pattern. Is it that the pattern is related to you go to bed very late? Yep. Okay. Uh Is the pattern that you really struggle to fall asleep? So try and find these patterns and. And then work with your current knowledge of well-being practices. I mean, we've got so much information in terms of what's a good sleep routine, right? Uh, not eating sugar, just go start with the basics because you'll be amazed how quickly those basics work if you do them consistently without even worrying about the genetics
0: what I love through this process that I'm thinking about that's really helpful is it's not just blindly going to do some latest fad or routine or idea that you might've read about or seen online. It's getting back to what's triggering the need for those things to shift. And, and as you said, what are the patterns, what are the themes that are leading up to that, Bring that to your awareness and then going, now, what can I do about those things?
1: Absolutely. And, and is it that, you know, the trigger, as you just mentioned, could it be that the trigger for you, maybe you don't sleep well at night because, Um, you know, like many of my clients, you know, you come home and after dinner, you just start picking, right? Picking food, you can't stop. Um, You know, now there's a hemogenetics related to that, but you don't need to know that. Yeah. You, you will know deep down that actually, you know, I think that behavior doesn't serve me because I always go to bed with the full stomach. I wake at 3am feeling a bit nauseous. And then in the morning I wake up as if like someone had died in my mouth. So, so then what you can do is start working out. Okay, well, Okay, that's interesting. So when you go and, you know, pick, you know, your bag of chips or whatever it is that you snack on at night, just pause for a moment, just pause and just see how you feel. What What's the emotion that's behind it, you know? Mm. Does it feel like your your cup run is, runs, you know, empty? That emotionally, maybe, you know, many of my male clients sort of work all day and they're in a leadership position all day. They come home, they've been married for a gazillion years and the wife is no longer waking, waiting at home with, you know, with an apron and go, oh my God, darling, I've missed you. You know, big kisses and make him feel like a man again, right? So for many men, the snack it comes from, I actually, I don't feel loved. And it might take us five or six coaching sessions to get to that. So... We don't do things just because we do them. I mean, yeah, obviously things taste nice and we eat them, but those repetitive behaviours that go against our higher self-knowledge, they're not just done because we're gluttons. They come as a way of band-aiding and pushing down very uncomfortable feelings and thoughts.
0: Yeah, wow. And um, I invite listeners to go down that path and start to explore where those motivations or the awareness or the triggers that are driving some of those behaviors. And I reckon once you start to do that, you might need to reach out to Alexandra and have a chat to her and have a look at her programs to help you then start to shift that. Cause um, as you're talking through that, I'm thinking about my own behaviors and the little bit of chocolate I like to have after dinner. And then maybe it's a little bit more. And then I think maybe I didn't need all that chocolate. I feel a bit sick, but where's that coming from? Why am I doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thank you. That, that's been um, enlightening to just think about that process. Obviously, the genetic testing gives us a real depth of knowledge when we do that. And as you said, the coaching that goes alongside that, because this is not a tick in the box, is it? This is a, a journey you take people on.
1: This is a journey and it's not for everyone. And um, I, I think with any kind of choice that we make for ourselves, again, reclaim that sense of empowerment and self-agency for yourself. I can confidently say here, sort of with the scientific background, there is absolutely no one diet fits all. There is absolutely no exercise fits all. There is no uh, program that everyone everyone should be doing mindfulness. Absolutely not. So use, pick things that you come across and maybe sort of spark your interest and your curiosity mm. and really start opening this conversation, this dialogue with the self. You don't need to pay any money to do it. All you need to do is have a willingness to explore some of the difficult uh, feelings that that we experience and then then you're off. And then when you get to a point where you go, right, I'm ready for the next level, I really want to go in depth, then this is what these programs are for. I don't want everyone who contacts me for this specific reason. So there is so much that we can do well before getting to the genetic testing.
0: Yeah, of course. Got you. And going back to one of your first comments, 2020 is the best year for Reset, isn't it?
1: Yeah. yeah yeah well it, i think any you know i i i tend not to work in years um uh, just because i always think it's like well is it really this this day that was all made up you know it's, 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 it's like, like n-
0: it's not like not new year's resolutions it's like why do we have to have a New Year's resolution like yeah. we could have a resolution any any day of the year
1: absolutely any reset is good any time that you feel like there is it's almost like um, um you know, it, it's almost like sort of a, a, a voice or a, a little kind of spark of something of intuition that, that comes into your ear that goes, now now is the time. Yeah, now yep. is the time. And uh, so that that's a good time to, you know, do a, a reset or just start opening this more kind of investigative approach.
0: Love it. Thank you so much for talking us through the amazing work you do, some of the the background and the science behind it and the impact that makes in people's lives and the leaders you work with and then that um, self-evaluation that we can start to go down the path of ourselves. Um, so it's been such a great conversation. I've got two more questions I need to ask before we finish up. Where is the best place online for people to reach out and find out more about this great work that you do? <laughs>
1: Probably the best. I mean, obviously, there's always the website. I have, I have to say, for all my organization is the website is quite, you know, needs to be updated. Doesn't reflect all the programs that I do. But you can certainly have a look on on the website. There are some really good articles there. But generally, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So. If you're interested in picking up tidbits and furthering the conversation, just connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, uh, and also reach out through the website. You can download um, 30 Tips for Increasing Energy and then you will be getting us sent out twice a month, a short note related to genetics and performance, which has a section called Smart Hacks. So they're two minute smart hacks to um you know and, and we look at things like how to deal with anger anxiety sleeplessness those kinds of things and we relate it back to genetics so that's a great place to start
0: fantastic and i'll make sure there's links to both linkedin and your website in the show notes that's awesome so thank you for that now just to wrap us up this is the inspired energy podcast what is your definition of inspired energy
1: yeah, you put it at the end. This is a big question. This is not a small. This is not a small question. <laughs>
0: I, I think you've already answered
1: it in, in, I, I, in this I think,
0: conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I think I have. So, for me, um, for me, inspired energy is when our being or our why, yes, yeah, so we can call it why or our purpose, then aligns with our DNA, which is our who, who we are which then aligns with our actions, which is the what. So it's it's the being aligned with the DNA aligned then with behaviours and actions that reflect the other two. That's for me inspired, Angie.
0: Oh, I love that. And it links beautifully as a great summary to everything we've talked about today. Um, Such a great conversation, Alexandra. Thank you so much for your time. I am really inspired by the work you do and the people you help. Uh, such an insightful conversation honestly thank you so much
1: yeah the same i really really enjoyed it i I just love the addition actually i could happily carry on uh you know talking i can see that there's so many synergies and things that we could learn from each other so i hope that we get to connect again
0: well i'm sure i'll have you on the podcast again in the future um all the best for the rest of 2020
1: fantastic same to you bye